Welcome to the Over What Hill 40 Plus Podcast, where we talk about everything that you can do to stay healthy, feel great, and live life to your fullest over 40. I guess, and I guess we're recording. Cool. So what's up going on? What's going on, guys? Uh, we got another video here, interview with Tori Penn. Tori, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I've seen you on Instagram. We've had some cursory conversations on a couple of different Facebook groups back and forth talking about things. Um, but I don't really honestly know that much about you. I know that um, you're an avid fitness person. You love your food. Um, you're, you're, a, you eat fairly healthy. Um, but I love how you present, like, you're always into like, Hey, this is a great combination. You've got all kinds of different colors and you do a bunch of different stuff. Um, we'll probably talk about that because you had a yeah. post last week that I wanted to ask you about. Um, cause it kind of threw me off a little bit. I'll be honest with you. I think you probably right. know the post I'm talking about. It was, a, a let's just say it was a higher carb post than normal. Um, yeah. <laughs> but tell us a tell us a little bit about you, where you're coming from, and kind of what you do. All right. Um, well, I'm my name's Tori Penn. I'm I just turned 44 years old. I reside in the Phoenix area, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Grew up in the Midwest in Michigan, Wisconsin for the longest times, so where I went to school uh, in Michigan, and then played sports all through growing up through four years old up and through college soccer was my main forte even though I played basketball and baseball in high school for a couple years but soccer was my main area that I focused on so I just shifted all my attention to that and just tried to be the best that I could be Um, got into the fitness area as far as lifting weights and things when I got to college at uh, the main college at when I was 21 mainly for the simple fact that in high school, I was 140 pounds. I was skinny. Mm. I had a gut, you know, and would get picked down with shirts and skins, that kind of stuff. So when I got to right. college, my main thing was, I just want to feel good about myself. Like I want to be able to take my shirt off and feel confident in the way that I look. And mm. then just the weightlifting bug got, you know, bit me. And then I just got, you know, addicted to it because it felt really good. And I could see yeah. the change coming over the course of the months and the years and that kind of thing. So just, it just took off from there. And then Five, six, seven years into that, um, I was doing outside sales in the medical device area and just got to the point where it was getting harder to see the doctors and majority of the doctors just didn't appreciate you. And I love the medical device side because, you know, being in the OR was one cool Two, being able to help people with their health and just, you know, make it see, see somebody like, you know, improve with something was awesome, right. but just wasn't getting that sort of, you know, it was just more stress than anything else. And so I pretty much made sure I had enough money and I just got into personal training um, at a local gym, did that for a year, Mm -hmm. build up some clientele and then moved uh, my clients to my garage and then um, dabbled in a couple different gyms where I rented space from them just so I had more equipment to use, more uh, size, and then potentially get more clients and that kind of stuff. And then when we made the move to Wisconsin, is when I mainly just shifted mostly to online coaching because I could help more people. It's yep. more affordable than an inline person. And it just allows me that more flexibility to be able to do more things and not be so tied down to, you know, 
X amount of times that I have to be seeing in, in front of clients and that. And I still right. occasionally will do it in person just because as a coach, it's always good to have to see clients in person and see them move to help you and just to help others, you know, in the area as well. And right. then as far as strength training, I've competed in most things throughout my year, just to try them out. I competed in a couple bodybuilding. I've did powerlifting. I did CrossFit. I did OCR, like talk. And then I've trained for an Ironman as well. So I've dabbled in a little bit of everything. Yeah. So I'm just at that point where I, one, I can help a lot of people because I've sort of got that background as far as how to train for something and either get stronger, maintain, you know, your strength and get leaner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just what I personally enjoy working out to and things like that. Right. Right. The, um, I think the, your story, especially when you're talking about from when you're in high school, getting into your reason for lifting weights, your reason for getting to that is an under discussed reason that people have for wanting to get in shape, particularly guys, right? I don't think it's women as much wanting to not be, I mean, I guess it's pretty much everybody, but from the, from the standpoint of wanting to take your shirt off at the beach and feel like, yeah, I I got this. You know what I mean? Like there's something about that. Um, and, you know, I can't speak on how a woman would feel about that, but I know they have body issues just like men do, just in a different kind of perspective. Um, but I think when we're talking about guys, the, the, the confidence that comes from being strong is, it's kind of, it's crazy. Like, you know, when I was at my worst shape, you know, I was in my mid, thir- mid to late 30s, you know, the, I was, I'm all, I've always been a positive thinker, a positive person. And, and had that, that self-confidence, but there was a period of time that I went through where I was forcing that confidence. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. authentic. It wasn't genuine. And when I started making a change, it wasn't, and this is a kicker, I think for people to get, it's not when the change happens that you start getting the confidence. It's once you make the decision and you start putting in the work and you sure. know, you're doing what it takes. That's when things start changing in your head. Like I got this, I can do this. I'm getting better. And that confidence starts like, I mean, as soon as you make the decision, that confidence starts going. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime that I've either changed my nutrition around or I've changed my programming for myself or when I had a coach that did my programming and we started something new, just, just that, that change of knowing something just got me excited. And like, before even I noticed anything different with what was going on, I just was still more excited about it and just more focused on, you know, making those positive changes. Yeah. And I'm sure you see this with clients. I know I see it with, with clients all the time. And, you know, they come in, I can't do that. I'm not sure if I can do that. I don't know if I, I don't want to try that. I'm not ready for that. But then after even sometimes just a couple sessions, right? Just a couple sessions, they come in, you're like, all right, I want you to do this. And you can see that for a split second, there's that hesitation. I don't know if I can, but they've got the experience of what they did last week, what they did yesterday to go, well, wait, I didn't know if I could do that before. Maybe I can. And that switch from I can't, I don't think I can to maybe I can. That is what it's all about. That is life-changing because now there's opportunity, there's hope, there's a future. You know? Yep, totally agree. That's what it's all about. That's awesome. What is, um, you're 44, you said. Yep. What is your outlook on the next 20 years? Like, how do you look at, you know, what you're doing now compared to what you're doing when you were 20 versus, you know, and what you're going to be doing 20 years from now? Yeah, for sure. My mindset has definitely changed just as I've matured, as I've aged and just the focus or the goals that I have for myself now compared to when I was 
20 or even in my thirties is mm -hmm. totally changed. Like for me now it's, yes, I still want to continuously try to get stronger. I still want to try to improve my physique the best that I can. But yeah. in my twenties and thirties is I want to deadlift X amount. I want to back squat this amount. <laughs> I want to compete in this amount. And now probably my late thirties is when it probably sort of changed is just now my number one focus is the quality of movement. Like I want to move the best that I can and any, any movement that I do, I want to try to do it the absolute best that I can, because one, I want to do what I'm doing now when I'm 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, I understand yeah. that I'm not going to, I, at some point I'm going to start losing strength and my goal is just to maintain that. But that doesn't mean when I'm 80 years old, I can't do what I'm doing now. So I, that's right. my number one focus too. I obviously, as we age, no matter how we're doing things, an injury that I got in my twenties, I could just keep on pushing through. And in a week or two weeks, it'd be healed. Right. Now I do something and it's two, three weeks, three, three months, six months that I have to like really rehab it, or I've got to be careful with it just to get it healed again. So for me, it's, yes, I want to be strong, but and I'm not going to push the boundaries as much in my training. I just know if I'm doing a certain movement and I have it set for six to eight reps and I get to rep four, eh, 20s, 30s, I'm going to push it because it says six to eight. Now it's yeah. I'm, now I'm like, mm, you know what? I'm going to call it good because tweaking something now means I don't get to train tomorrow. And is one or two more reps really going to make that impact on, on my training today? Right. No, it's not. So that's where I just know to sort of pull back a little bit if I need to and just and I don't have that that drive to compete right now and I'm not sure mm -hmm. if I ever will because I know what it takes mentally and physically because I've done yeah. it before and right now I just don't have that like I can program something and if I don't feel like doing it eh, I don't yeah. I don't I'm, I'm gonna switch to I'm, I'm gonna do something different I'm, I don't want to do that's a little hard today or there's other days where I might program something easier and man I just get into it and you, I go no I'm gonna push it a little more. harder today yep. so yep. But I just, I don't have that mindset of, I have to do this today because my goal is to run, you know, a half marathon or to squat, you know, 400 pounds. So I have to do this program. I have to stick with this. I just don't have that mindset. And if right. I don't ever have it again, eh, it's not that big of a deal to me because I enjoy my training now and, and what I'm doing and the broad spectrum and, and being creative or trying new things here and there just to see how I respond to it. Mm -hmm. and how I enjoy it as well. And eh, I tried it for a month or two, don't like it, eh, I'm done with it. Or I really like this. I just like using a sandbag. I never thought I'd use a sandbag. Now it's, yeah. man, I want to incorporate this a lot more because I just like the feel of it. I like the versatil versatility of it. I like how it challenges me in a different way than a standard kettlebell, dumbbell, barbell does. So mm -hmm. you know what? I'm going to work this in more to my programming because I really enjoy it. And a year ago, three years ago, I never would have even thought about using one. Right. Sandbags are awesome. I love them. Uh, I bought one specifically just because like when I sold my gym, I was like, I don't have a sandbag anymore. Crap. I need a sandbag. <laughs> like, what am I going to do with that? <laughs> um, what? So you said two things that I think are key that I really like, particularly now they, the, it, this applies to everybody, no matter how old you are. But I think really, as we get older, if we don't focus on our movement, we're missing out on what the whole, what it's all about. Right. Yeah. It, it's if you're 80 years old and you can't move, your quality of life takes tank, right? It goes in mm -hmm. the tank. So your ability to move, your flexibility, your mobility, your strength, those are the things that you need as you get older. You don't need to do them at the extremes, right? Your your the requirements and what your goals are as you get older change, like you said, um, but you'd still need to be able to function. So yeah. there's definitely something to be said for 
you know, a mindset that says, as we get older, we need to do just as much as we did when we were younger, right? And when we were younger, we did a lot because we want to perform, we want to compete, we want to have fun or whatever. And those goals don't, those are kind of the same goals, but the target is different as we get older. I still want right. to perform. I still want to compete against myself. And yeah. I still want to, want to have fun and enjoy my life when I'm 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. 90, 110, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. going to at least I'll be deadlifting at 110. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just think that's, that's a huge thing is movement. You know, uh, there's a CrossFit saying, which you probably heard the magic is in the movement. Mm -hmm. right? The magic is in how you move, how you move determines how efficient you are, how strong you are, how healthy you are, all those things. If you're not moving well, it's a very big indicator that something's wrong. Right. Um, and then the other thing, um, you were talking about crap. You just left me. This happens every time you do a podcast. I forget to take <laughs> notes while you're talking. And I'm like, oh, there's two things that you said. I got one of them. And then I start talking and totally forget the other. Right. Thing. Yeah. Um, it'll come back to me. Um, let's talk about what you think the number one thing people need to work on is like if you if you took all your clients. Mm -hmm. that you that you that you've had over the years what's probably the number one thing that most people need more work on even for myself i think one of the big things that a lot of people don't use enough and i program pretty much for all my clients for myself daily now is a lot more um tempo work so tempo i never really did a ton in my 20s and 30s it wasn't until i started going through the the OPEC CCP and I had my a couple of my OPEX coaches and things like this that got yep. to program the tempo a little bit more. And I think that's, and that was 37, 38 that I think I started that. And for me, that's a lot of the biggest changes that I noticed in just the, the look of my muscles and like how I feel and how I move was slowing things down and adding that more of those pause counts to sort of make sure that I can feel the position of the movement because a lot of people just go through a movement and they don't really feel where they're supposed to be feeling. When you slow it down to a three, four, five, eight second count on a, on a lowering of a squat and then have them sit in that bottom of that position for two, three, five seconds and then come up, you know, two to five seconds. Right. I mean, it allows you to really focus on the different movements and the different aspects of those muscles and definitely can feel that more. So yeah. definitely tempo. And I think most everybody could use more thoracic mobility just because the majority of people are all at a desk they're driving yep. so really yep. focusing on a lot of the upper back the rear delts those kinds of things as far as either dynamic movements you know prepping mm -hmm. prepping clients or during the movements and or on active recovery days programming thoracic mobility yoga movements and those kinds of stuff just right. to to do that because you know as we age like our tendons and ligament, everything wants to shrink. So we have to spend more time, the more that we age in static positions and or things that we could do in our twenties once a week and be fine. Now in our forties, fifties, sixties, we have to do those every day. Or you can notice a change going one week of not doing something and then try to go back. It's our, you've already lost that little bit of range of motion. So doing yeah. that daily is something that's critical. Another thing that goes into that, and this is something that I preach. So I like what you said about tempo work because one of my key, when I'm coaching, I'm, I'm yelling all the time, control, control. <laughs> if you can't control the weight, you don't yeah. need to be, it's too heavy. You don't need to be doing it, right? You yeah. should be able to stop on a time. You should be able to, to, to do whatever you want to with that weight when it's your hands um, or on your back or wherever it is. Uh, 
So control is definitely key. Being able to feel your muscles, what's happening. Are you using the right muscles? Do you feel it in your back? You're doing a deadlift. Do you feel it in your back? Do you feel it in your butt? Do you feel it in your quads? Like, where are you? Where's your positioning? Right. What muscles are you using? Um, that's, that's, that's huge. Uh, then, see, I did it again. Good gosh, you were just talking about... <laughs> thoracic mobility? Any thoracic mobility. mobility. <laughs> um, good, I, I need, I swear, like I'm, I'm getting, it's crazy. I feel like my brain, I have so many things going on sometimes. Like I'm thinking about uh -huh. stuff and just whatever. Yep. Um, mobility is one of the key things that, uh, you know, like you said, as we get older, we lose elasticity. Um, and the, the mobility, again, going back to magic of the movement, that statement isn't just for control, isn't just for learning the technique, isn't just for being able to be efficient but it's also range of motion focus. So you can get, and this blows people's minds sometimes, you can improve your range of motion by executing good range of motion. Right? Right. So like, it's like, okay, well, I need, to spend, I need to spend 20 minutes going over here and doing this warm up before I can work out. Okay, how about we spend 10 minutes and then when you actually perform the exercise, you do it to the maximum correct possible range of motion when you're doing the work. Right? If right. you're doing the work in the proper range of motion, you're going to improve and maintain your flexibility. You're going to improve and increase muscle fiber contraction. Like you're going to do all these things because you're actually moving in the ranges that things were intended to move and not half-assing yep. it. So, you know, there's two, three things I think that for me, I talked to my, any of my clients will be able to tell you, control, range of motion in the, ex, in the execution is, right. is working your mobility and flexibility. And then Every exercise is a core exercise. I don't care what it is. Every exercise is a core exercise. Yeah. And that, uh, again, is another thing that people kind of go, what are you talking about? Like, if you're not engaging your core, if you don't have that core to extremity engagement, like you're losing, you're losing everything. Like you've got to be able yeah. to, again, control what your body is doing. And the first step of control is bracing and, and core control. So that's cool. Um, what is... Let's talk about your 44. I see you post all the time your different workouts with your two coaches, mm -hmm. uh, right? What kind of dogs are they? They are Shepskis. So they're a mix between a German Shepherd and a Husky. Nice. So we rescued, the, we rescued the one 10 years ago, and he's a Siberian Husky, definitely has a Shepherd in him. And then the mm -hmm. other one we rescued last year, and she has an, she's like an Agati Husky. And she might have a little shepherd in her, but she probably has a little bit of wolf. Um, oh, so, but for us, it's the best breed that we've ever had. And I've, and I bred German shepherds. I've had labs. She's had a bunch of different um, breeds herself. Mm -hmm. And just, you get the intelligence of both the shepherd and the husky. You get yeah. the playfulness of the husky and the howling and all this. And then the shepherd has that docile. So you don't have that. You don't, they both don't need to go for runs every single day, like a normal husky does. Gotcha. So it's one of those where, best of you get the best breed of best of the best of all the breeds combined interesting okay cool nice um what is your daily routine look like there you are yeah i just locked up for a second what does your daily routine look like so i'm pretty much monday through sunday exact same thing every day um okay. wake up at 5 45 mm -hmm. let the dogs out and then I have some cold brew coffee, sort of go through any type of email messages, maybe from potential clients, check social media, mm 
get my pre-workout stuff around. And then I usually train around 7.30 in the morning or so till, you know, it could be nine, it could be 10.30. It just depends on if I'm doing any type of longer endurance work um, in the mix Mm -hmm. and then get done, sort of just cool down, uh, eat some food. And then my afternoons are mostly client programming, doing client consults, those kinds of stuff. Um, And then uh, time with the, the wife and the pups, just hanging out, relaxing, um, at night. And then I'm usually in bed nine, nine thirty, pretty much every single day. I try to be a trooper for the wife on a Saturday and stay up till 10, 10 30, maybe, <laughs> but it, it doesn't really happen that often just cause I get yeah. up early every single day. So. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like similar to mine. We said we flip, I do all my work stuff in the, in the morning and then I work out and do all the other stuff in the afternoon. Ah, yeah. I, I, just, I can't seem to I know I like working out. Usually it's like two o'clock. I like going to the gym at okay. two o'clock and like two to four yeah. is kind of my time. Um, what does your, cause I know this is definitely going to be something that, you know, I'm, I've, I started about this whole influencer thing in the carnivore space. So I'm kind of in that keto mm-hmm. carnivore area. Um, and it's always something that we talk about. What is your nutrition lifestyle? Like what kind of, what do you focus on? Yeah. So I've pretty much, done every single type of way of eating yeah I mean I did vegan one back in the day because I had a client that was that and I had no idea how to help her I don't know what to eat I don't know so from that point on I was like you know what I'm going to try the different ways one Mm -hmm. just see how my body responds Two, if I have a client I want to make sure that I'm helping them and doing it the healthiest way possible so I've done paleo I've done you know vegan I've done keto I've done carnivore I've done high carb low carb high fat mm-hmm. low fat I've done all of the all of them in, in the past at yeah. least for three to four months up to 10 months I've done specific ones so mm-hmm. some hey I for the most part I can get results it for the most it still comes down to calories in calories out and then the appropriate you know amount of protein and then the carbs and fats depending on one overall health mm-hmm. and then performance and then what I'm doing and those kinds of stuff so for me right now, currently it's, I get, you know, try to get my 10 shades of fruits, vegetables, mostly vegetables in every day. Mm-hmm. And then I get, get uh, my protein from my animal meats. Mostly mm-hmm. I love ground chicken, ground turkey, beef, steak, fish. Um, and then uh, my carbohydrates right now, mostly come from besides like the fruits and veggies and the things that are in condiments pretty much are just around pre and during my training. So before I train 20 to 30 minutes before I train, mm-hmm. I have about 15 grams of whey and then 25 to 50 grams of cyclic dextrin. And then mm-hmm. during my training, I do another 15 grams of whey. And then that could be anywhere from 30 to hundred grams of cyclic dextrin, just depending on how long I'm doing the intensity that I have sure. going on. Sure. And then my post-workouts, usually an hour, hour and a half after I'm done, just depends on, there's no meal time that I'm really worried about. It's just more of sometimes I get done at say 10 o'clock mm-hmm. and I'm hungry at 11. There's other times where I get done and I'm not hungry till noon. Well, I'm not going to force it. And I've already had enough protein and that kind of stuff in my body that I'm not worried about losing muscle and all that kind of and right. muscle breakdown and stuff. So I'm right. not, it's not a worry issue. So then I have <clears throat> around 80 to 90 grams of protein and then trace amounts of carbohydrates from right now my biggest kick that I've been on for a long time is my contraption of my waffles that I make just because waffles are delicious and with me <laughs> having most of my carbs around all my training 
and regular waffles just don't fill me up. I can eat a ton of regular, just that kind of, those kind of carbs just don't fill me up. They're delicious and I don't mind them. There's nothing wrong with them, but like my wife can have one Belgian waffle that's regular that has like 30 or 40 grams of carbs in it. And she's done. Like she's good for me. I could have six or seven of those things and still just keep eating. So I found the variety that I enjoy and it's pretty much either a hundred milliliters of like egg beaters or one whole egg. And then around 15 grams of coconut flour per that hundred milliliters or per mm-hmm. one egg. So I do two Belgian waffles. So I'll use 200 milliliters, give or take about egg beaters. And then about 30 grams of coconut flour, a little bit of sugar-free uh, syrups, just to sort of t- change the flavor around. Yeah. Yeah. Mix it all up. And then I get two huge Belgian waffles that are, it has like 16 grams of carbs, but some good fiber from the coconut and then some protein from the egg beaters. And then I'll have either ground chicken, ground Turkey, chicken sausages, something like that, mm-hmm. along with my meal. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have dinner around five o'clock, six o'clock at night. Then that's where I'll have some more veggies, usually like some lettuce, some steamed vegetables, and then a pound of beef, chicken, yeah. turkey again, whatever yeah. the case is. How much protein do you get in a day? Right now I'm getting in about 230 grams. Okay. So I, and I'm roughly around a hundred and depending on <laughs> after last weekend, I'm a little higher than normal just because of all the extra water retention, but normally I'm around in the, the low 180. So I'm about 1.2 to 1.3 grams, give or take uh, okay. per lean body mass of protein. So I'm on pretty much maybe 1.4. I'm pretty much on the level of the amount that I would, that's, doable for me that's actually sure. like going to serve a purpose and that's just yeah. mainly because mainly for the same simple fact that i'm decently lean if i wasn't as lean i wouldn't be taking in as much because i wouldn't need it but being as lean as i am i need that little extra amount um protein so it'll fluctuate from 185 to 230 just depending on you know the type of nutrition that i'm taking in at the time yeah that's that's about where i'm at i'm i'm, I'm at 185 uh and i'm about two, two i average between two and 230 you know, I'm yeah. trying to shoot for a little bit higher than that. But like you said, it's really hard to get in anything over 250 is really yeah. a challenge. Um, yeah, and it's funny. It's funny for us talking about, you know, if you know, over 220 over 230s kind of can be a challenge. When I have clients who are like, you want me to eat 130 grams of protein? There's no hell. <laughs> I can eat 130 grams of protein. Like that's like a snack, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's how my my wife weighs like around 100 pounds, and for her, like I'm like, hey, we, I want you to at least get around 80 grams, you know, give or take, because she's you know not super lean, but she doesn't need that much. But even for her, 80 grams is she's that's a lot of protein. So it's like, well, we have her. She has her scoop of protein with her coffee in the morning, so that knocks mm-hmm. off you know 20 to 30 grams, and then a good lunch, little good dinner, and then a little like Greek yogurt at night. And that allows her to sort of hit that and stuff. But yeah, for her, I'm, I'm, I go, yeah, I just had a hundred grams of protein in my one meal, let alone right. just 80 for the day and stuff. And for her, it's like, it's hard for me. That's, that's good. I mean, unless I'm having like a gigantic, you know, awesome ribeye or something like this, it's two, two pounds or, or a three pound burger. Sure. I can easily go over that amount, but just a regular meal of whole food, a little bit of veggies on the side. And even when I was carnivore and just eating just protein and just fat, um, still like it was still harder to eat that much more yeah it's hard food yeah so people are eating up three or four um, that's a lot like that's a pound let's be a three pounds of meat give or take you know in a day and and if it's and i found for me differently like ground beef if i ground the beef up in like a pan and eat it that way i don't get half as full as i do if i have that same amount and i make it into patties because i have to take the time to actually you know bite down or chew the patties or break it off in a fork and spend the time extra making chewing it up more hmm. it actually fills me up more 
the same amount of volume. So just something like yeah. I learned in my own sort of ways when I was eating, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm like, I'm going to make ground beef. I'm not just going to make ground beef in a pan and then put like on a plate with some cheese or something and eat it. I'm going to make burgers with a little bit of cheese and that's going to fill me up more than the ground beef itself. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, how fast you eat your food does make a difference. Yeah. Uh, huh. So what is your, and so your, what you basically described for your nutrition is going to be completely different than what most people that follow me or that I, that I had, you know, connections to. They're, yeah. they're thinking, they're like, oh my God, all the carbs, all the veggies, ah, their brains are exploding right now. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think it's good because number one, it's a different perspective. Number yeah. two, it also reminds people that there's more than one way to skin a cat, but more importantly, everyone has different goals and everyone's in a different place. Yeah. You are, you are metabolically healthy. I would say you're, you know, you don't have, as far as I know, you don't seem to have any metabolic syndrome or any issues with insulin resistance or, you know, hypertension or cardiovascular disease, anything like that. Right. You're at a place where your goals and where you are, the carbs aren't doing as much damage. They're not doing as, as you know, they're not as negative of an impact as someone right. who may be what we call carb sensitive or insulin resistant or have hypertension or obesity and is dealing with a bunch of other stuff where they're getting part of their problem is the excess carbs and processed foods, right? right. You're focusing on whole foods, high protein, which those are the two biggest things. Yeah. I don't care about your carb intake. I don't care about your vegetable intake. If you're focusing on whole foods and protein, then a lot of the other stuff tends to fall into place, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not always about, you know, is it this much carbs or this much fat or whatever else? Um, I just, you know, Marty Kendall is, I think so. nutrient optimizer. He's out of Australia. Okay. Um, yeah. He's got, he's got a, an app and he's got a tool that basically helps people focus on their nutrient density, you know, and that is where it's all about. You know, yeah. I, I guarantee you, if we did a profile of your daily intake, you're pretty high on the nutrient density scales, right. Of, of measurements of all the different micronutrients and stuff, regardless yeah. of your macros, because that's right. really that secondary. And if people yeah. can, understand that if you focus on nutrients, nutrition, then the macros tend to kind of fall into a place that will work for you. Right. For um, sure. So that's, that's yeah. And thing. I mean, I did carnival for 10, 10 months, you know, for the most part, I did it three or four strict carnivore when it first started out last mm -hmm. or a couple of years ago, whenever or last year, I think. Um, and then I've sort of just tailored it. And for me, it's one of those where, you know, carbs aren't the enemy. And, and that's the only problem that you get with like the zealots of everything. It's like carbs right. aren't the enemy. Grains aren't bad. Starches aren't bad. Nothing's bad for individual people. Sure. Some people might have a negative influence to grains. Some might have a negative influence to starches. A lot of it is the processed foods that are people are eating. For me, I, I, I've tried them all. Like I know rice doesn't affect me. I know oats don't affect me. I know potatoes don't affect me. Nothing affects me. Like it doesn't hurt me health wise. So it's, you, everybody's got to find the, the specific like foods that work well with their body. You know, vegetables are good. They have good micronutrients. They have a little, they have the good fiber, but just because broccoli is technically a good food, some people have adverse effect, effects, right. or effects to broccoli. So doesn't mean everybody should eat broccoli. It's find the ones that you have and then the amounts that maybe work best for you. And for me as an athlete in training, like car carnivore, like food wise was awesome because obviously I just got to eat tons of meat and bacon and cheese and, and, and all that for me as an athlete though, there's no question like carbs are needed. Like if you train in an endurance sport or in a long intensity carbs are the absolute, you, you have to have carbs. Like 
there isn't an elite athlete out there that doesn't use carbs. And I could tell a difference. And I live in Arizona. I run in the desert in 110 degrees. Like I did it without carbs, mm-hmm. but as soon as I add carbs around my training, a lot more energy, more yeah. sustained. And my training yeah. sessions are two hours long or three hours long. So that's where now I focus where, yes, I like rice. Yes. I like, you know, potatoes. And yes, I like that, but I don't need those every day. They're not a food for me that like I truly enjoy. Like I need to have. So for me, it's when, when do I need the, the carbs and I need the energy around mm-hmm. my training? Well, for mm-hmm. me, cyclic dextrin works super well. Like it, I works great for my body. It's easy. And that's where I put majority of almost all of my carbs in the day or yeah. before my workout and then during my workout. And then I have a small amount of vegetables and then a bunch of huge protein, good quality fats from the meats or from avocados, from healthier oils and those kinds of stuff. And yeah. that just, for now, it works really well. Like I'm, my yeah. training is, I can train now and get done and go, I pretty much have to pull myself away because I look at the clock and go, oh, okay, I've been training this long. Sure, I could go for another hour, but uh, more is not better, better is better. So I'm going right. to stop now. Whereas when without the carbohydrates, when I was training before, I could go and be in there and I could just tell, like either I just, uh, I'm just done. I don't want to do the session or I do it and it just wasn't up to where I could have done it. So hmm. for me, carbohydrates around my training and I could even tell it when I was on carnivore, if I took a little bit of honey and went out for a run, just mm-hmm. total difference. Even 20 mm-hmm. grams for an hour run in the desert was a night and day difference. So that's yeah, when I'd I like- started tweaking, tweaking the carnivore. I tweaked the carnivore. I'm like, okay, carbohydrates are needed. Now, if you're just going to the gym for an hour and you're doing a normal split and you're not pushing and you're not doing a lot of endurance stuff, do you need them? Probably not. If you're doing mixed modal stuff and you're doing running and biking and you're getting your heart rate up for a long period, over 60 minutes, 90 minutes, carbohydrates are you're going to perform better there is there's no question you you can't argue that specific part of it yeah so there's definitely something we that's so we could probably do a whole nother episode on that because uh Mm. there's a lot of stuff that goes into that and i think you're in a situation where i would tend to agree where normally i would not Mm -hmm. okay and here's why i would tend to agree with you what's your body fat percentage uh it's sub nine yeah. Okay. I'm not and sure that's what, and, and that's why I would tend to agree with you. Um, I think for most people, particularly people over 15%, 20% body fat, um, if they have the, the fat to burn, they don't need the, the, the carb, the carb load, the, ex, the exogenous carbs, um, because mm-hmm. their body has fuel that they can burn. So you can turn that just, just like you can turn carbs into glycogen, you can turn fat into glycogen, but your level of, of, of athletic endeavors, your, the activity that you do is longer and harder than most people. And yeah. you don't have the body fat to spare. Right. right. So you need like, it's, it's, so I would be interested for you. I think it would be really cool. And this is just an experiment that I'm having a thought experiment I'm having in my head right <laughs> now is if you went back to carnivore and instead of going with carbs, you used exogenous ketones before a workout. Mm-hmm. and see if you I use I, I use those okay I, I do you notice any did you, they, they didn't car, you didn't seem to get anything out of that interesting no, not, interesting carbohydrates were the one that as soon as i took in carbohydrates whether it was a sip dextrin or whether it was honey yeah. or, or something weight nine difference like the, the ketones did absolutely nothing for me energy wise okay. when it was that type of stuff and for me i compared it yeah. to and it was mostly when i was doing that was in the summertime so even my strength training sessions, mm-hmm. it was hundred degrees in the garage. And then I'd go out on 110 degrees when yeah. I'm sweating that much and, and taking in a bunch of electrolytes yeah. and all those kinds of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I could do it, 
but it definitely, as soon as I added in the carbohydrates, it was sustained energy the entire, regardless of the heat. And it didn't have to be a ton. It it could be, like I said, 25 grams of carbs of like a take two of honey. And all of a sudden 10 minutes into my run or or that awesome. You're like, Like, man, I feel almost like I just started working out like that kind of night and day difference. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Um, I, yeah, I love that. That's probably a conversation we can have, we can have yeah. on the side because there's a ton of stuff I'd like to go into that with you. Um, just at curiosity. Um, have you ever, have you ever heard of Zach Bitter? Yeah. Yep. Okay. He's, so, from, he's from Arizona, but, oh, but he's I didn't one know of those that. too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he actually lives here and trains in here and he's one of those where he's, you know, carnivore sort of keto guy, but he's one of those where he's an elite athlete. Like if you yeah. look at his pre-training and what he eats during a race, it's all carbohydrates. Like that's what he, he has to eat. Like he doesn't just, he doesn't have car, like his carbohydrates. See, I always, everything that I've read, it was always that uh, I thought he was carnivore all the way through. No, no. Any, any type of his like record setting stuff. Like he's even, I think it was even on either on YouTube or on Instagram. Like he shows like it's all carbohydrates. Like it's, it's, there's food, there's re- whole food and there's like the sugar sources and stuff because okay. when he's training and stuff and, or he's going for 24 hours straight. Yeah. He's, he's doing, he's you're going to run in a hundred miles. You yeah. Need something, yeah. Right? He's, he's eating carbs the entire time. So that doesn't, I mean, so that doesn't, it surprises me because I thought it was the other way around. Um, but yeah. at the time it doesn't surprise me because with what I know about it, like he's, he's probably under 9%. Like he's as he's about as lean as you can get. So he doesn't have fuel on his body unless yeah. he's breaking down muscle, which is not what you, what he wants to do. Right. So he's got yeah. to supply, he's got to go with something. So that makes yeah. sense. Um, okay. So, I mean, I think for anybody listening, don't get confused about what we're talking about, right? right. It, it, we're not saying that you have to have carbs. We're not saying no. that you don't have to have carbs. What we're saying is look at your situation, look at what your goals are, look at your current level of health and fitness and how hard you're yeah. doing all of these factors kind of go into it and then figure out what works best for you because yeah. there is there is no you have to do it this way you have to right. do it that way it's like what works best for you and you know what Tori's saying is he's doing it this way he doesn't see any harmful side effects he's not having any inflammation that he can tell he's not having any you know um, the ibs or skin eczema or like he's not having any of these things that from the veggies right. and the carbs and it gives him energy I am completely opposite. I don't do veggies at all. I'm 100% carnivore and I have no problems either with my workouts. So what works for you is what's going to work. Just remember, and I think this is the the key thing that I say almost every podcast, what works for you now may not work for you six months from now or a year from now or whatever. Seasonal changes, lifestyle changes, stress at work, things happen in the family, your schedule changes, all types of things can affect what you're doing and your nutrition is part of that. So you have to be aware of how all of that stuff plays in together and reevaluate every once in a while to make sure that what you're doing is the optimal. Yeah, absolutely. And if you got to give it time, you got to give it 30 or 60 days when you try something. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people do too, is they change a ton of different things. If you want to make changes, make one specific change and then see right. if that actually works. That's the right. biggest thing. And that's where for me being as structured as I am, I can, I'm very tailored. Like I know my nutrition inside out. I've tracked for 15 plus years using a scale. So like, I know that my training, yep. I program for myself. And even when I had coaches, like it was structured, my lifestyle habits, everything's in place. Like I go to bed, I wake up, I get enough water. I, I manage my stress. I do those kinds of stuff. So for me to make a change, it's easy for me to just take out a specific thing or, or add one thing in and then give yeah. it that time frame, two, three, four, six weeks 
did I make a difference? I didn't really change anything. Okay. Well, I know that didn't, that wasn't it. Or right. I definitely noticed an improvement. It wasn't, Oh, I cut out this. And then I also did this, this, and this, and then you don't know what actually, you know, made that change. Yeah. What's the minimum time you think from a, a change perspective that someone should give? I usually say at least three weeks to kind of see if it's, if it's working or making a difference. Is that, yeah, I, I would say, I would say bare minimum three weeks, you know, I yeah. say three weeks to four weeks is a good sort of just, you got to give it time, right? You've got to give one to make the change. So then you've got to give your body time to sort of readjust to that change. And mm-hmm. then a little bit of time extra there to sort of have it, have that change in place. And then to see actually how it is actually going to work, whether it's going right. to be negative, positive, or there's not going to be a difference. I guess it also makes it, makes it, uh, it depends on what the change is. Like if you're going yeah. Uh, a high carb diet to a low, a low, a low carb diet, then that you need to give that some time. Cause that's going to take a little bit of time for your body to adjust. Um, yeah. If you're just taking out broccoli, you know, that could be two weeks and you, that could be three days. Yeah. Right? People say food sensitivities yeah. are 72 hours. Right. So that could take yeah. three days before you notice, Hey, this is better or this is worse. So, right. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So we talked about your fitness. We talked about your age or how old you are. My gosh, you're so old. Um, <laughs> We've talked about uh, your nutrition habits and what you do there. Where do you, where do you see, here's a, here's a really good question. First off, what do you classify your genre of fitness? I, I call, you know, I, I'm a functional fitness guy. I'm looking yeah. at quality, quality of life is my goal for my clients. Yep. Is that kind of where you're at with, with stuff? Yep. I definitely, I definitely am functional fitness now. Like that's just where I focused at because I've, I've done the specific types of, powerlifting and bodybuilding and weightlifting and just in CrossFit like classes and Metcons and that kind of stuff. And now it's my quality of movement. I'm doing function, you know, the functional patterns in this kind of stuff, just one, I enjoy them and two, the degree of difficulty that it, that they can entail or, and it just helps me outside of the gym itself, as far as just being overall healthy, being able to go for hikes and those kinds of things easier, do them better. So definitely functional fitness is where I sort of yeah. tend and most of my clients sort of fall in that range too. And that was where I was going to go with the next piece is where do you see fitness going post COVID post all of this stuff? I know virtual training is like blown up right now because everybody's got a zoom account. Now everybody's doing stuff virtually. Yeah. Um, is, is you think that's going to stay? Are we going to hold on to that a little bit? Like, what, and then I if think we are, I think, what are people mm-hmm. looking for? Cause this is where I want to take this. What should people look for? when they're looking for a program, if they're looking for a virtual program. Right. So I think, is it going to stay? Sure. Because there's a lot of people that have dabbled in this or have been forced to try this out and really enjoy it. They like not having to go to a gym. They like the the structure of it and those kinds of things, but there's always still going to be people that like to go to the gym. There's always going to be people that still like somebody in person. Still might like this, you mm-hmm. know, even face-to-face, over a zoom doing it, but there's still those people that want the in-person relationship. So I don't think right. that's ever going to go. This might go a little bit more and it might pan back out just depending on when the time comes that we're sort of back to normal again. Um, and things open up. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know some of my clients and just other people that have gotten home gyms because of this mm-hmm. and are never going back to the gym because this is just awesome. I don't need to go to the gym. <laughs> I have, I can do what I want when I want. I don't have to share my equipment. I don't have to worry yeah. about, you know, take ins for 
And for us, like they do phys- functional fitness, I'm not just going to do bench press. You know, I'm going to do bench press plus pull-ups plus something else, a part of my, mm-hmm. a part of a program. So I don't have to worry about taking up one or two or three or four different pieces of equipment at the same time in a gym. I'm in my own space. Like I can do what right. I want to do and things like that. So, um, and then as far as what people sort of want, it's, I always say, if you're not sure, try it out. You know, it can't hurt because mm-hmm. you might get into powerlifting, like that sort of how it's put together as a programming and really enjoy it. I had clients like that, that they liked that structure. They like, they, they, they like that set thing of knowing, Hey, Tuesday's squat day, Thursday's this, this is this. I like this kind of structure. I did it for nine months before I, when I, as when I competed on it after that, I was, I, I don't want this. Like, it's just too, that's too structured for me as, yeah. as far as that goes. So it's, if you're not sure on something, try it out. And usually with most of my clients, sort of, I get their assessment, like what, what style do you do? Do you just do bodybuilding? Do you just do a standard thing? Do you do CrossFit? What do you do? And then sort of, sort of build that around them. And if they're not sure, I said, well, let's put this together based on this. Let's try this out and then let's evaluate. What do you like? Right. What don't you like? What do you hate? What do you love? What do you want more of, less of? And then just sort of structuring that around them. Some people don't want to do AMRAPs. They just, that, that whole, as many rounds as Idea. possible in their head, it's, Ugh, I don't want to ever do those. So great, not do that. So then you just sort of, then I can reprogram it to, you know, three supersets of these three exercises, mm-hmm. you know, and then all of a sudden they're sort of getting that in there, but they're not having the AMRAP sort of sense. So it's, right just structuring it around what somebody wants. If you're not sure on functional fitness, if you're not sure if you ever want to do, you know, a powerlifting sort of thing or a bodybuilding sort of set split, try it out for 30 days, 60 yeah. days, three months, and just sort of see, you can get results on any type of style. If it's mm-hmm. properly programmed, it just comes down to what do you enjoy doing? Like right. I didn't right. enjoy powerlifting. I don't, en- I did the bodybuilding for 15 years and it worked. Obviously it's where I got my foundation from, but for me to go back and down, just do a chest day and that it'd just be too boring. Like I've just, <laughs> I, need I like my sandbag. My, that's right. I need my squat. I need my, I love my kettlebells. Like I never thought I was into kettlebells as much, but because of COVID I invested in a ton. I did yep. a certification course to sort of get learned on how to actually do them. So cool. which, which one did you do? My client. Uh, it was kettlebell RX. It was an online one. Okay. Um, super cool people. Um, it was, yeah, yeah. I think four weeks long or something like that. So it wasn't super long a couple of times per week, like an hour, but okay. learned a ton as far as like quality of movement and stuff. And just what mm-hmm. you can do with the kettlebells, just that's like so my new stuff. sort of, I love them. I'm just, yeah. if I only had to pick one, I would pick that over a barbell or a dumbbell. And I never would have done that even a year ago Absolutely. You know, at all. Yep. I'm all in on kettlebells. I, I, I wish I, I, I wish I, I, I wish I had more training in them. I mean, I've done, I've got some training. I've got CrossFit training. I've done some RKC stuff. I've been looking at the strong first courses. Um, they're just mm-hmm. expensive. Um, yeah. And then I've dabbled in IKC. So the, the different sport, sport versus hard style in the kettlebells, two completely different things, um, which are it, the, the, the differences in the mechanics and physics of kettlebell work for, for what we, I guess we could say fitness versus sport just fascinating. Oh, it's really, yeah. cool. it's really, it's really yeah. cool. It's and you, really cool. and you, you don't realize, I mean, the, and when you, until you try something, it's like with any sport, like until right. you try it or even in a lightweight, you see these, the men and women that can snatch for 10 minutes straight or for 30 minutes or si- they do the long cycle of clean and jerk for 30 minutes or 60 minutes. Like just grab a set of 19 pound bells right. and just try it. You get right. into a minute or two minutes and all of a sudden you're, you're just toast and you're, 
this guy's doing this with 70 pound kettlebells for 30 right. minutes straight. Right. Super, Super impressed. <laughs> cool. Um, well, I appreciate your time, man. I think uh, we'll probably have to follow up again some other time, kind of see yeah. how things are going. Tell, tell everybody that's listening a little bit about what you do, where they can find you, what you've got to offer, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, you, I pretty much do online programming mostly. I do uh, programming for training, for nutrition, and for both, just depending on what somebody's yeah. sort of looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, I do assessment. And then I do, you know, obviously the warm up, the training, the cool down mobility stuff, active recovery days, all those kinds of stuff. And then I help somebody with their nutrition as well, depending on what their goals are. I have carnivore clients right now. I have normal clients. I have clients across the board. So it's one of those where depending on what somebody's doing, helping people with that um, aspect of it, I can be found on mostly I'm active on Facebook and uh, Instagram. My Instagram is just Tori Penn, T-O-R-E-Y-P-E-N-N. And then the Facebook is Tori.Penn. So okay. I'm there to just, to, I mean, if I can answer questions and help people along the way, I definitely will do that. Absolutely, man. Cool. And you do mostly one-on-one. Do you do group stuff or is it just your one-on-one? Mostly just one-on-one. Yep. Okay. Most, mostly one-on-one. All one-on-one. Mostly it's all online unless I have some clients that are in, that are in the Arizona area that if they need to meet up for like an in-person training session or to go over nutrition or whatever the case yeah, is. Yeah. I'm all for that too. So dude, you know what? I got to come out there and visit you. Yeah. That's too. I got to, I got to, don't let me forget that. We got to figure out a time. I've got like, because, because all of my trips for last year got canceled. Mm. I've got like thousands of Southwest points that I need to use. Oh, yeah. up. So I'm like, yeah. where can I go? What can I do? Arizona oh. sounds like a great idea. Yeah. You get, you come in like the springtime or the fall time and it's just okay. beautiful because, and then you can like training's good. There's tons of hiking. Like you can, you know, go to restaurants and there's things to like, there's tons of stuff to do outside. Like right now it's beautiful weather out. It's obviously a little colder, but then in the summertime, most people that aren't equipped with it from June until like August when it's a hundred plus degrees every single day, yeah. you're really not hiking unless you're going at five in the morning early okay. and you've got to be done before like six thirty or seven because the sun sun's rays are that hot kind of thing. But spring, fall, depending on that time, tons of colors that change too as well but the hiking is just awesome and then okay. of course there's tons of delicious food too so <laughs> awesome man well appreciate your time thank you very much awesome thanks man i appreciate it too i figure out how to stop the recording this has been another episode of the over what hill 40 plus podcast remember that life is the hill keep climbing keep growing Every hill leads to another. You will get better. You can do this.